Well, this is Talking Sports with Evan. Today, I am joined by Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. I uh, hear him pregame, uh, halftime, postgame, pretty much in, around, and during Bucks games. You're going to hear him talk Bucks and also do color commentary this year as well. And you hear him on WTMJ for Bucks Talk following the Bucks Radio Network programming. And Justin, thank you for uh, joining the show here tonight to talk some Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely. Uh, long-time listener, first-time guest, so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, you know, as much, I'm sure you don't talk enough bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're about a month into the season. Um, bucks won last night against Portland, sitting 12-4 and four after that win. What are your thoughts so far in this uh, season? There's 16 games in. What are your thoughts on the Bucks? They still don't have Middleton. Just got Pat Connaughton back. Holidays missed some games. What's your just general observation of the team thus far? Um, my overall opinion hasn't really changed from coming into the season, where I think we thought the Bucks and the Celtics would be towards the top of the conference and probably on a different level than the rest of the teams. And that's basically what we've seen in terms of the standings and, and with the Bucks, it's more impressive with the injuries you noted. I mean, Brooke Lopez is the only guy that has consistently been there every game of the season. And if you think back to a year ago, that just did not seem possible. And a year ago this time, we didn't know when Brooke Lopez was going to come back that season or if he was going to come back. I mean, there was even some people questioning a guy at Brooke Lopez's age, a seven footer that has all the wear and tear back surgery is nothing to joke about that. It's, it's not far fetched to ask, is this going to impact Brooke Lopez's career in, in terms of shortening it, but he's shown no effects of that. And, you know, it's still tough to judge the offense because of no Chris Middleton. He's your second best <clears throat> player offensively, excuse me. But, um, the defense is, has just been elite because of Brooke Lopez and how he's kind of the linchpin for everything. When Giannis won defensive player of the year, it was because Brooke Lopez was the guy protecting the rim and Giannis was allowed to help out and, and defend on the perimeter and, and be the guy that was cleaning up with some blocks as well. This is the best we've seen Brooke Lopez in a Bucks uniform and, and probably since early on in Brooklyn for him. His offensive numbers are all the highest numbers. I know it's 16 games, but it, it's all the highest averages he's had since he left Brooklyn. And defensively, he still leads the league in blocks and contests. So he's the guy that's really transforming everything. And that's why they've been so good, despite the injuries and in the offense really being bad, actually, because their defense has been so elite. And it's, it's Brooke Lopez that's getting everything done there. Last year, last this past offseason, last year as well, talk seems to be everyone wanted to trade Brooke Lopez for somebody. Let's trade Brooke Lopez. I think there was probably a good move not to. Um, he became a three-point shooter coming to Milwaukee. Now he's just dominant defender. I guess, you know, obviously when you have Giannis, he's your MVP. I guess you got to kind of think that, that so far this season, Lopez is probably your MVP with what he's been able to do. Especially, I think he's been, yeah, I think he's been their best player overall so far this year. I mean, Giannis, it's a thing where I think we can take Giannis for granted too much because I don't think Giannis has really been great so far this season. And he was the first to point that out early in the year of, I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. And there's certainly room for improvement. And, and you saw what he was doing early against the Rockets and 
he had that stretch against the Nets and the Rockets, I think it was, where it was two games in the same week that he scored 30-plus points in the second half of those games. So you hear him say, I don't feel like I'm that good right now, and I have room for improvement. And, and you think, well, how can this guy get any better? Um, but I think he's he's been more than fine. He, he just hasn't been to that Giannis level yet this year. And, and still, the offensive numbers are basically identical to what they were a season ago. He's hovering around 30 points a game. But Brooke Lopez has been the guy that's been most consistent on both ends of the floor. And, you know, offensively, we started talking about this early in the early season, but um, it was kind of a joke at first. But the longer this hovers around it, it has to become a real conversation of, well, can Brooke Lopez be an all-star this year? If he's going to average around 15 points a game, and I would expect that to come down a little bit, especially when Chris comes back. But if he's going to give you that type of offense and keeps leading the league in blocks and the guy that's contesting the most shots around the basket, why can't he be an all-star? And, and it's, you know, because of him, like we said, that they've been this good, certainly defensively, but you needed to find a lot of offense elsewhere with no Chris and no Pat early on. I mean, Drew Holiday's missed, I think, about five games. Grayson Allen's been in and out of the lineup. Giannis has missed three games. So there's been a handful of games where you look up and down and you say, man, there's 40 to 50 points out of the lineup here that, that we'd be used to. And it's been Brooke Lopez routinely is the guy that's really filled the void and picked up the scoring. I want to jump with Mid on Middleton really quick. Now he just got sent down, uh, designated whatever term they use in basketball to the herd. I'm guessing just to get more practice time than he would with the game tomorrow. Bucks probably not going to really have much practice per se. Um, what's his timetable looking like at this point? Is, is that is this a good sign that he should be back soon? Or are we still kind of in a holding pattern? If I knew what his timetable was, I would be the first to tweet it out and get all the retweets. But no, that's that's just the way they operate is, uh, I mean, go back to Pat Connaughton. He made his return on Monday. And that was, I think, five weeks, a little after five weeks after the initial diagnosis uh, towards the end of preseason when we learned about his injury. And that was initially a three-week timeline that we were told. Now, Bud, it since basically indicated we probably should have never you know, said three weeks that it, was, it, it wasn't a setback, but it was probably going to be longer than three weeks all along. With Chris, we've never gotten a timeline. Uh, I think we all kind of assumed it would be right around the time that Pat came back. But I think part of it is uh, it, it was an interesting offseason for Chris to – to obviously have your season cut short in the playoffs like it was and uh, need the procedure on your knee and then also the wrist to get that cleaned up. So he didn't have both procedures done at the same time because you're not going to rehab your knee and wrist simultaneously. So it kind of dragged it out there. And I think a lot of this too is they're 12 and four right now. You saw what happened last year when Chris Middleton got injured. So there's no rush to call him back or to get him back on the floor yet since you're winning and playing in May and June is the most important thing. So they have the luxury where they can really take their time with Pat Connaughton, with Chris Middleton. And I would take it a step further, even with Joe Ingles. I know there's been a lot of chatter of, can you see him in December? I just don't think there's any points. Like why not bring him back? after the all-star break and, and just really kind of use a gradual ramp up. I know he needs to develop chemistry with his new teammates, but Joe Ingles and Wesley Matthews is the same way with the injury he's dealing with now. 
those are guys you need for the postseason with the, the team as deep as they are. And especially with guys like Jordan Wara and Marjan Bochamp on the wing already, those guys can play in the regular season, but you need Chris and Wesley Matthews and Joe Ingles for the postseason. So you might as well be extra cautious there. You know, what does Ingles give you exactly? I know he was in Utah last year when he got hurt. Is he just another outside shooting presence or can he do more than just that? He uh, So he's obviously a shooter. Um, I think he's a better defender than he gets credit for. He gives them more size on the perimeter too. And you think back to the Celtics series, that was a big thing that was missing. When you look at a lot of the lineups with no Chris, I mean, Grayson Allen, as as much as you know, Bucks fans let him have it during that series, it wasn't a great matchup for him against a, a longer, rangier Boston Celtics perimeter. And the Bucks were just kind of missing those bigger bodies on the wing. So he gives you that. He's a good ball handler and maybe one of maybe will be the best passer on the team and, and a good facilitator. He he was the guy outside of Mike Conley that was really initiating a lot of the Jazz offense the last couple of years. So uh, he gives you just another guy that can kind of alleviate some of that from Drew and Chris, and it gives you multiple ball handlers on the floor. Uh, but also he's really good in the pick and roll. And we've seen the two-man game that Giannis runs with Chris and Giannis and Drew have a lot of success. Joe Ingles is going to be great in that with his shooting ability too, that you know, you're going to have to choose. Do we let Giannis roll to the basket or do we just give up a clean look to Joe Ingles? And so the minutes that he plays with Giannis is what I'm most interested to see for Joe when he makes his return. Um, the Bucks this past offseason, we're talking about changes and tweaks on defense. What are your early thoughts? I know Lopez is playing out of his mind with the blocks and whatnot. What have you seen defensively? Is it this, uh, the newer defense is what you're seeing more of, or is it still more of that drop defense that they, they've run in the past? They're, the biggest thing is they're contesting threes more, and it it still is the skeleton of the defense they've always run where they are going to take away everything around the basket, and with Brooke Lopez on the floor, you can do that. They're going to try to to force you to take a lot of long twos, and you'll see teams still get up a lot of, a lot of mid-range shots against the Bucs, but in the past, they would give up a lot of threes too, and especially threes in the corner, and the logic every time it would come up and we would ask coach Budenholzer about it, it was, well, you can't defend everything. And they kind of have their assignments of, we will give up shots to players that we think are just okay shooting from the outside. And look, go back to game seven against the Celtics. They thought, look, of all these guys, Grant Williams is the guy that we're going to let take some shots. So that's the way the defense was predicated in the past. This year, the the change is they're getting out there and contesting those threes a lot more and and not saying let's have the opponents jack up this high volume, even if it's guys we don't think are going to beat us. They're giving up about, I think, 31 threes a game this year. And last year it was over 40. So that is a massive decrease in threes that the opponent is even getting up, let alone the threes that they're making. I think that's the biggest difference you're seeing is – you know, we talk about the math problem a lot. The Bucks can take away everything around the basket and have these stingy defensive performances, but you'd still be in these games where you look across the board and you think, how is this team in the game? And it's because, oh, they've hit 18 threes. 
And you haven't seen any of those high outputs from the opponents so far this year. So that's really been the biggest thing. But also, you know, having Javon Carter for a full season and go through the offseason and camp and open gym that the team does, I really like the pairing of, of he and Drew Holiday together in those games that we've seen them as your starting backcourt because their ability to play off of one another is, is what stands out a lot. I mean, Javon is undersized for a two, but Drew Holiday is a guy that he can play the one, he can play the two, he could defend threes and fours. So it allows you to play those two together. And when you think about it from the opponent perspective, Javon Carter has to be the most annoying, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, but the most annoying guy to have to see when he's picking you up full length of the floor and he is on you the entire time, you get past him. And then, oh, by the way, Drew Holiday is waiting for you there on the perimeter. And if you get past that, it's Brooke Lopez and Giannis. So uh, to me, having Javon Carter for the full season and, and really unleashing him in this defensive system with a healthy version of this team is the other notable change. So before I let you go, because I know you have another show you have to do um, in a little bit, the name Jay Crowder keeps throwing, being thrown around with the Bucks, uh, Bucks trade rumors. Uh, trading Grayson Allen or involving Grayson Allen in a trade for uh, Crowder down in, well, I would say Phoenix, but he's really not playing. He's on the roster technically. Um, your thoughts on that and what exactly does he bring Milwaukee? So uh, I am, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be in favor of it in, in this sense. I, I don't know how many of us are left, but I am really a fan of Grayson Allen. And I think what he brings to this team isn't that easy to replace. I mean, look at where they were last year in the playoffs with the injury to Chris Middleton. And I will go to my grave saying Grayson Allen looks much different in that series if Chris Middleton plays because it's not Grayson Allen drawing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and everybody else. It's Grayson Allen getting a little more spacing and having some help on the perimeter. But, you know, we saw what one injury did to the Bucks' depth there. And they're a deeper team this year. But Grayson Allen specifically, they don't have a lot of two-guard depth. You have guys that can play the perimeter and on the wing. Uh, George Hill's a combo guy. Wesley Matthews is really a three at this point. Drew's a combo guy. Javon Carter, as we already said, is an undersized two. So to me, Grayson Allen is at a position of a premium position for the Bucks, So I just like what he's able to do. Obviously his shooting, I think he is a better shot creator and playmaker than he gets credit for. And I think that's something that's grown already this season, but you know, also I just question Jay Crowder specifically because he didn't have a great season last year with the Suns. He is getting older and that's the other thing. Grayson Allen is a younger player who, especially with the media rights being what we think they're going to be and, and the impact that would have on the, uh, the the salary cap once you go through the new CBAs, Grayson Allen's contract is going to look very, very cheap. But this is a Bucks team that's already getting old. I, I don't know that you want to substitute out a younger, valuable player for a guy that's Jay Crowder's age, we did see him take a little bit of a step backward last year for Crowder, especially with his shooting. But, you know, the other thing is this, and nobody can answer this but Jay Crowder, everything you've heard is a reason for what it seems like is headed towards the divorce in Phoenix was his role with the team and that it was going to be, hey, you come to camp, 
and you're in a competition with Cam Johnson, you may not be starting. If that's the reason why Jay Crowder didn't want to be in Phoenix anymore, is Jay Crowder going to start for the Bucks? So, so how is he going to feel about that? Definitely a good point there. Uh, you know, he, as you said, you know, he struggled in Phoenix last year, was at one point a really good player, but like you, I don't really want to necessarily lose Grayson Allen either. As the, as you, the Bucks aren't getting any younger, like you just mentioned, uh, Middleton's what pushing 30 holidays, pushing, you know, 30 or pushing 30. They need young, young, they need younger depth pieces, depth pieces if they want to continue to uh, compete for the title every year. And pushing him out for an aging Crowder is probably not going to, who hasn't even played a game of basketball since what playoffs last year. But, you know, maybe how to get him in, going. Well, and the thing is, maybe that's actually good for him. I mean, we saw him do the same thing basically when he was in Memphis and then eventually joined the Heat, and he looked very much re-energized. The bubble played a big role in that, but he looked very good there. And then the following season with the Suns, uh, we saw Al Horford go through the same thing when he was in Oklahoma City, basically got half the year off, came to Boston, looked rejuvenated. And I know it's not resting, it was surgery, but – I think Brooke Lopez missing two thirds of the season last year and not having the wear and tear of a regular season is also a big reason why he looks as good as he does uh, this year. So that could be a benefit for him overall. Look, I would be fine with Jay Crowder on the roster for the bucks. If, to me, the holdup is I wouldn't do it at the expense of Grayson Allen. And then finally, before I let you go, Two games in a row now, Giannis takes pretty hard shots. Uh, one was a flagrant one. One they reviewed yesterday, kept it a common foul. Budenholzer is commenting that the officials need to do a better job protecting him. And then he kind of stepped back and said they have to do a better job of protecting players in general for that type of play from Embiid and from last night. Um, what are your your thoughts on Budenholzer's comments there? And then... Is it too early to be concerned about Giannis's free throws yet, or do we still give that time? Um, uh, so I'll take the free throws one first. <laughs> uh, I, I'll give it some time yet. He he seems to go through some of these funks a couple of times a year, and then on the flip side, he'll have a stretch where it looks like it, it's it's fixed and it's trending upwards. There was a stretch for a couple of, I think, a month and a half or two months last year where he was at 80% or, or pushing 80%. So I, I think it's, it's, it's just what you, you got to live with it, that he's going to have stretches like this and he'll have good stretches. The thing is he can't be in the 60%. I mean, even 72% he was at last year is probably right at the max of, of what you'd want to live with. But, you know, the thing I'll, I'll defend for him is despite the struggles, he doesn't avoid contact and going to the line. So that's the encouraging thing. Uh, I think Bud's comments were certainly warranted that the, the, the Joel Embiid play, I have no idea how that was not upgraded to a flagrant two after the fact the Joel. next day. Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how the league doesn't upgrade it the following day, let alone in the game when it was pretty clear as day. That was not a basketball move. There was no intentions of playing defense. And look, I, I know I'm not the first person to make this point, but if that was Grayson Allen that made that play that Joel Embiid did and it was Tyrese Maxey was in the role of Giannis, that's a flagrant too. And Grayson Allen is getting a fine. So 
Uh, I think that was a lot of frustration that was seeping out from Bud. And also, we've all seen the screenshots of that specific play where there was four trailblazers defending Giannis and physical with him. I don't think the intention was there as much as it was with the Embiid play. But the fact is, it's in the rule book. You can't go high. You can't hit somebody in the head. And that's what happened to Giannis. And you got to make a play on the ball. So I, I agree with Bud. We've seen this being policed more with things like traveling in three seconds this year. Well, let's do the same with some of these plays on fouls and player safety. And then finally, Laddergate. Was that just overblown by Philadelphia media and everything? Because I feel it was just overblown by the Philadelphia media trying to make something out of nothing. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it was overblown. And I think it was it was it was a lot of gamesmanship from Montrez Harrell. I mean, look, the home team does have priority there. I've seen it countless times. We see Bobby Portis come out after games and Giannis and, and work on things like that. But the home team does have priority in those situations. But Montrez Harrell wasn't gonna wasn't gonna come out and shoot until he saw that Giannis was shooting and wanted to do something about it. Yeah, I I think Harrell could probably use all the practice he could get based off his performance thus far this season. But yeah, I kind of same thing. I don't think he's out there if Giannis isn't out there. Well, I know you got to take off, have another show you got to do. I appreciate you coming on and spending some time talking Milwaukee Bucks and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah. Anytime. Cool. And that was Justin Garcia of the Bucks uh, Radio Network and 620 WTMJ. You hear him um, Bucks shoot around, Bucks shots, Bucks uh, Network halftime show, and Bucks Network post game show, and uh, Bucks talk following the Network post game show. So if you need to get Bucks information from anywhere, you uh, Justin is the the guy to go to do that, and you can find them at TMJ. Uh, TMJ Garcia on Twitter for any Bucks uh, information that you need to find. So thanks again to Justin Garcia for coming on and talking some Bucks here with me here tonight. Uh, Going to switch gears though. We've been talking uh, fun stuff with the Bucks season um, thus far. Well, unfortunately, it's not all fun and games and positivity with Wisconsin sports as the Packers fall to the Tennessee Titans 27-17 on Thursday night football following an emotional victory over the Cowboys on Sunday the 13th winning 31-28 they followed that up losing 27-17 not going to spend a lot of time talking I think it's uh, pretty obvious what some of the issues are um, Rodgers didn't come out and say he had a broken thumb today on Pat McAfee but he definitely hinted that the thumb might be broken on the Pat McAfee show. Um, I think, I think that was definitely hinted at um, today. And it's what I've been speculating and thinking was the problem for quite some time since he heard it. Um, I'm thinking he likely has a broken thumb because think back to 1999 with Brett Favre. Brett Favre had a fracture or a break in his thumb and his, he was very inconsistent with his throws. Some throws, great on the money, as we saw with Dallas, as we saw with the two touchdown passes on Thursday to Christian Watson. But then we saw other throws, three, four yards in front of um, Sammy Watkins, um, too high 
to uh to Lazard and Lazard could have made a better effort trying to get it, but it was way too high to Lazard. The issue, Rodgers is extremely inconsistent throwing the football. He's missing throws that he routinely makes. That was the issue Thursday. There was about four or five throws. I was I was at the game. Thanks, Scott, for the tickets to the game. I was at the game, and there was about four or five throws in that game that Rodgers typically makes that he missed. Shots that he typically makes that he missed. And if he makes those throws, one of them likely goes for a touchdown. And we're, it's a whole different ball game for the Packers. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. And, you know, Rodgers isn't the get all the blame. The Packers defense, although they did a great job on Derrick Henry on Thursday, holding him to, what, 3.2 yards per carry, something like that. They got torched through the air. We're seeing uh, every... All their touchdowns were set up by a big play through the air. And one was piss poor tackling on a screen to Derrick Henry. And the other were piss poor coverage. Guy got open down the field, somehow got wide open, and they and Tannehill made them pay. I know you're focusing on stopping that run. That's where your attention is. But when that's the case, you can't have coverage breakdowns like that. And I don't know if that's the coaching. I don't know if that's the players. And to me, Joe Barry's got to go. The team is extremely passive. They are, you have your best corner playing seven, eight yards, 10 yards off the ball on a third and three, third and four situation. Why are we doing that? Why are we playing with such soft coverage all the time? I don't understand that. And it baffles to me to this day why we constantly play so far off the ball, we're opening up the quick outs, the quick slants by playing so far back. You can play zone coverage. You got to play zone coverage from time to time. You got to mix and match your coverages, play some zone, play some man. You just got, you, you just have to. But the thing is you can play press coverage with zone. You can be a little bit more physical on the line of scrimmage. And you also got to communicate. And those are things that I don't see with this defense. You see too often your safety and corner staring at each other, shrugging their shoulders like, how did that happen? And I am personally have grown very frustrated seeing it. Um, but the Packers, they still got six games left. Tough game against the Eagles coming up on Sunday Night Football. And... I don't think Green Bay wins the game, but I got a feeling it's going to be a tight game again. I think it's going to be similar to the Dallas game, but likely the Cowboys, I mean, the Eagles getting the win. Because Philly doesn't play the run very well. And the Packers run the ball extremely well when they get focused on it. I know against Tennessee, you couldn't focus on the run because they were shutting it down. But the Eagles, you can run on. And if they work on establishing the run with Jones and Dylan against the Eagles, they can definitely do some damage in that game. And that can open things up uh, in other areas of the field if they can get that ground game going. And then you got Cobb back, who is definitely a um, security blanket to Rodgers. If Rodgers went in doubt, he looks for Cobb. And he's been a great security blanket when healthy this season and last. So 
I think the Packers play the Eagles tough. I think the Packers play Philadelphia tight. And I just don't think they have enough to pull it off in the end, though. Um, what I would like to see from the remainder of this season for Green Bay, because I'm pretty much given up on any hope of the playoffs. The playoffs aren't happening. I want to see continued growth. I want to see continued growth from the offensive line with the unit they have out there now. Hopefully those five guys are all back next year and you can have that be the starting offensive line next year. I want to see them grow and continue to play well. They played much better since we've gotten the starting five um, out there that we need to see now. And the offensive line was a big reason for the start of this slide because there is no, there is constantly musical chairs at multiple positions. But now that they've had a few games in a row playing together in the same spots, they're getting better. And I think that's important to see in Green Bay. And I want to continue to see the growth of the offensive line in Green Bay. And the other thing I want to see is continued growth of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs when he comes back. And Tory. I want to continue to see their growth and development and see if the Packers can't put something together between now and the end of the year. I'm not ready to give up on Matt LaFleur yet. I know a number of people on social media are. He's a fraud. Um, I get I, I get the frustration, but I'm not ready to give up on Matt LaFleur yet. You don't win 13 games three years in a row by accident. And I think this is just one of those years where it's Murphy's Law. What can go wrong is going wrong. And that's what we're seeing in Green Bay thus far. And I think the Packers can definitely show improvement between now and the end of the year and get some confidence going into next year. And I know the team's going to look a lot different next year due to salary cap limitations, salary cap restrictions. But that's what I want to see. I want to see the young guys who will be back because they're cheap continue to develop and show promise. That's what I want to see. And Wisconsin, it looks like uh, Jim Leonard's going to get the job. They posted the game. They posted the position um, following the Nebraska come from behind win has to be posted for seven days and then they can fill it. And it's all looking like after Minnesota, Jim Leonard will no longer be the interim coach. He will be the head coach. And for me, I am all for it because I think he, I think he's earned and deserves the opportunity to have the job full time. You weren't going to fix the offense this year. You had what you had, but the defense has got, and the defense has always been good, but the defense has gotten better week in, week out. The defense is not the reason why Leonard's four and two right now. <laughs> um, it's not the reason why Leonard's four and two. It's not the defense. The offense is the reason why he's four and two. And I want to see what staff Leonard puts together and what he tries to do on offense moving forward. So with that, a big thank you once again to Justin Garcia for coming on, talking some bucks with me earlier on in the show. Uh, hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Probably going to wait till next Monday or Tuesday to bring you the next, next edition of Talking Sports with Evan. And uh, again, Justin, thank you. And I will get back at you uh, next week. Hope you all have a great Thanksgiving.